Welcome back to the podcast, Everything IRL. It's Mia and Lauren. How are you guys doing? Welcome back, or welcome if this is your first time tuning into our podcast. So today we're going to be talking about race, identity, and going to school in predominantly white spaces. And so we have a lot to unpack today. Yeah, our, we're going to share our experiences as people of color, um, as students of color. So uh, there's going to be a lot that you can relate to. And if you are not a PO person of color, um, there's a lot that you can definitely learn from. So stick around. We're going to start off with some basic terminology and background that you should probably know if you're alive in the 21st century and you're going to be interacting with, you know, diverse groups of people. Um, we're going to be using these these terms throughout the podcast, which is why we're going to start with it, just so that you know what we're actually talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, background. So the first term that we wanted to you know, throughout there is the term BIPOC. I actually had never heard of this term before Lauren mentioned it to me. So I know your friends use this term a lot. So I use person of color um, a lot, but you can also use BIPOC, which is black um, and Native American people of uh, of color. Or indigenous, exactly. Um, And so I think one is a little bit more academic. I think BIPOC is more academic. POC is what I use because I was never in those sociology classes with them, so I use POC. So POC is person of color, and then BIPOC is B-I-P-O-C. So the black, the B stands for black, and then I is for indigenous. Exactly. So yeah, I'd never heard of that term. Um, POC you'll, you'll hear a lot. If you hear us say PWI, that's predominantly white institution, which um, both of our universities are predominantly white. Um, a lot of universities, I want to say, are mm-hmm. unless you go to an HBCU, which is predominantly HBCU. <laughs> historically black um, college or yeah. university. So if you hear anyone say HBCU, that's a historically historically black college or university. And then um, what else is important? We might talk about um, Asian, and so that is a white and Asian person. person. It's like white, half white, half Asian, Asian. Um, I heard in in boarding school, a lot of my friends would call American-born people, I think it's American-born Chinese, correct me if I'm wrong, but they call them ABCs, okay. American-born Chinese, so like Chinese people who were raised in the United States, yeah, I'm pretty sure this is what it is, so they call them ABCs, um, and then if we mention the term whitewashed, we're definitely going to mention that a few times, it just is... Um, refers to a black person who maybe not even black maybe just someone oh yeah just anyone who is how would i explain this i how guess I yeah this? let's just google it just let's, to make sure let's we get have the exact definition um okay so i just googled it whitewashed is not really a word that describes someone who is more white but someone who has been drained of their culture um, by their actions. So someone who's drained of their culture. Interesting. So that is, those are just a few of the words and some vocabulary might throw around if you're unaware of this um, or yeah, just get you guys comfortable, comfortable with our terminology. Um, so we're going to start by talking about our own personal experience. So you guys know where we're coming from in our background because so me and I have, we grew up and went to the same high school, sadly. No, um, we did not go to the same sorry, high school. middle school. Yeah. It's the same middle school. Um, and so there was definitely, it was a not very diverse space. We were in a pretty rural city, um, rural, our town. The rural town. Yeah. Rural town, definitely predominantly white town. Um, all of our neighbors were white pretty much, maybe except for like one family. We were definitely the only black family in our neighborhood. Um, I was the only black student in my class for most of my like middle school Me too, experience, yeah. except for like one student who came for like a, like two years or something. So most of the time we were like the only, you know, black family, um, yeah. Same thing for me, middle school. There was one other, black, there were two other black families in our middle school. So from like first to eighth grade that I knew of. And then in high school, I had one, uh, one other girl of color uh, or one other black girl in my class. But yeah. really for middle school, I guess. It, At that age, it didn't really bother us. At least it didn't bother me like when we were younger, like early middle school, um, grade school, because you're kind of just like a kid and you're just kind of doing your own thing. And maybe you are experiencing discrimination, but it's not overt. 
and maybe you just you know there's things that you just don't understand yet so i was just kind of chilling like we went to a really granola hippie middle school and people were very like kumbaya holding hands gardening like very holistic very holistic definitely growing up it yeah wasn't apparent and i think for me at least um i can't really i we never had a conversation of you are black or you, we are also a little bit background about our family, so we're from Haiti. Um, our and, parents are Haitian. Yes. We so culturally, in the states, but culturally, we were raised around Haitians in the Haitian community. Um, we like on Fridays, like every Friday evening, my dad would drive us to Queens, and we would go, you know, spend the weekends with our family. Or if we had a break, we would be in Long Island, Queens, with our family. That's Haitian, mm-hmm. and so there wasn't it would be like race wasn't a huge thing to us growing up. It was like we were with our Haitian family, and we were like welcome, accepted, and we didn't feel different or anything. And then we were at our like super white school, and we were loved and accepted, and we felt comfortable in both environments in both spaces exactly and i think the only difference i really noticed with that was that when we were in our school you know it's very they're very active they make you go outside and so when we were in new york it was a little bit with our grandma especially like it's safety is a huge concern so you can't go outside you can't you know leave the gated community or leave your fence like don't go out because it's dangerous um and then i obviously did notice just like a lot more people looked like me but that was like the those are the only two differences with safety and then just more diversity yeah because at home in our hometown we would like leave the front door unlocked we would um you know run around in the neighborhood without parents and then we went to when we were in the city it was like don't leave like the gate open lock the doors like you the kids can't go out by themselves so i noticed that difference for sure but besides that we were treated pretty pretty equally the same um we definitely didn't get a lot of education in middle school about race and that kind of thing which it sounds really crazy to say but i didn't even realize that we were black until i was in like late High, late middle school, and what was like that seventh, experience? eighth grade, which was insane. What was that experience like? Um, we started talking about like um, African American history, slavery, all that type of stuff. Those conversations, which are so hard to have, um, really uncomfortable, especially if you're the only um, black person in the classroom, black student. I felt like there was a like a spotlight on me when the teacher was talking about it. I was so uncomfortable, and I had so little education, so little context. And I knew that my family was Haitian, but because I was lacking so much of the education, I didn't realize that we were black because black refers to your race and your race is based on your physical attributes, your features, your hair texture, all that stuff. So with, under the umbrella of um, black, we fell under that umbrella. We were also Haitian ethnically, but I didn't understand that when we're talking about um, issues that pertain to black people, when you're talking about discrimination, like police brutality, that kind of thing, we fall under that category. So when my teacher is talking about these African-Americans who um, were being brought over over as slaves and being all this like systematic discrimination, all this stuff, I was really confused. I was like, my parents never told me that my ancestors were slaves. Um, I feel so bad for these people who went through this thing am i part of these people like, i was so insanely confused which sounds crazy but it kind of goes to show you how bad our education system is when it comes to this kind of thing if your parents aren't educating you at home you could be left with a lot of gaps which i was and that confused me literally up until high school yeah and i think that's a little bit different i knew that I was black, mm-hmm. but it just, those conversations of race in the classroom made me so uncomfortable, mm-hmm. um, especially being the only black girl in my like sixth and seventh grade and eighth grade when we were talking about slavery. And I was thinking everyone was staring at me. Same. I was thinking everyone's pitying me right now. And mm-hmm. I obviously was, am hearing these stories of what happened during slavery and the process and, and, be, and feeling so much pain and sadness for them, but also at the same time, just wanting to like be able to leave the room or wanting to just like I'm thinking my teacher's probably staring at me right Mm now like thinking poor kid everyone in the class is like looking at you Mm -hmm. um and so it made me want to avoid those conversations and honestly I don't even know what's better like is it good that I'm in the room listening should I have left like 
even today, I don't know how the school system decides to teach about race and racism in this country because it should. It definitely should be a conversation. Florida got rid of um, yeah. talking about slavery, mm-hmm. um, but it is true that those conversations gave me a lot of anxiety because I did not want to be in that space with all those white people while they're learning about what they, they feel guilty. I don't want them to feel guilty. I just want them to learn from it. I want to learn from it, but I don't want to be in that space. So it was really um, just like an uncomfortable time. Yeah, definitely very uncomfortable. And it gets easier as you get older. Like now, like I'm fine. I can talk about it with anyone anytime because I know my history. But at that time, definitely really uncomfortable to have. So moving forward, going to high school, we were both still at predominantly white institutions. But my boarding school was very much international. So I didn't feel like a predominantly white institution because my, like there were a lot of white students, but they, like one of my close friends, like she was from Kazakhstan. So she was white, like white, white, but she wasn't American. Yeah, so you have those international. It felt really international. And like my friends were from, like I had friends from Harlem, friends from, um, you know, overseas, like my good friend from Rwanda, um, friends from literally all over. So it felt very international and, when I first got there, it was You had like, a lot of issues, I didn't had, you? Oh my gosh, I had the worst experience. At least the first two years were really rough. I wrote my college essay on this. Literally, the first day when I walked in the dining hall, it's like all the black girls sitting on one side of the dining hall and then the white girls on the other side really of the dining hall. racially segregated. Super racially segregated, self-segregated, and I did not know where I fit in. And... I had a really hard time with like bullying and that kind of thing. Like girls would call me an Oreo. They'd be like, you're black on the outside, but white on the inside. The black girls, you know, thought I was too white to hang out with them. And the white girls thought I was too black. I looked too black to hang out with them. So I ended up resenting both of them and Mm -hmm. feeling like I had no idea where I fit in. And my issue with that also was that because we were Haitian, we didn't we didn't really grow up with a lot of like Black American culture, mm-hmm. like the music, like celebrities, like um, history of like Black Americans in the U.S. That kind of thing. Yeah, our like family focused American. on the Haitian culture. Yeah. So we knew about Haitian music, Haitian presence, but we did not. Yeah, they did not food, care. Haitian music, culture, like all of that history of Haiti. Like if we're on a road trip, my dad's quizzing us on like the history of Haiti. When was it colonized? When was it liberated? Because that's like, super important for him. But then right. again, that's then you're lacking. For from fitting in with the black Americans which is a whole different other culture and I couldn't I felt like I couldn't you know vibe with the black girls at my school because a lot of them were black American yeah when they and I didn't understand and they so I look like an outsider um but for me I was like my family's black my cousins are black like my siblings like everybody I'm black but then you guys are not my people so it was just really weird finding my my spot Mm -hmm. um luckily by the end of my high school experience things really dramatically changed the racial um environment just a little touch upon just not fitting in yeah i feel like that's not even just a a black thing or by like it is so many different people Mm -hmm. who face that of not fitting in excuse my voice but of not fitting into their stereotype Mm -hmm. and especially me thinking about my friends like my Asian friends um thinking about other you know mixed race kids you always are not gonna fit into not good enough yeah Yeah, and I got a lot in middle school and high school and even college um more so college actually being told Oh, you don't like, like, for example, you don't like fried chicken? Are you even black? Mm-hmm. You don't like rap music? Like, you don't like this rapper? Are you even black? Mm-hmm. Um, or, you know, I like, for example, when I was vegetarian, like, oh, you must be, like, super whitewashed. Mm-hmm. So just never because, or, you know, my Asian friend, or, you know, my Asian friends thinking that they um, don't fit in because they don't, might not know about, like, so many of the cultural dishes or something like that. Mm-hmm. So you're just never, you're never fitting into your stereotype. Yeah, and it's like, um, I think mixed kids feels that feel that a lot of the time uh like you don't belong with one or the other and it can get so frustrated so at the beginning of high school I was really like oh I'm not one or the other um and the thing is I'm not even half white half black so it's just really really weird situation and interestingly enough by the end of high school it was there was the whole trend of like I'm light-skinned I'm mixed I've never understood this yeah I've never I really continue but I've just never got it by the end of high school it's like I see all these people's Instagram and Snapchat um, usernames, like handles, being like, oh, light skin Jay, or like light skin mommy, like um, 
mixed girl X XOX. Like, you know what I mean? Like, just like idolizing the whole idea of being mixed, being light-skinned, um, that started to become so big at the end of my high school experience, whereas at the beginning, it was like, you need to choose one or the other otherwise. And I ended up, you know, spending the first two years not having a group of friends, not having many friends, spending a lot of time alone, figuring out who I was, um, spending a lot of time alone because I did could not find a group to fit in with. Um, like I said, by the end of high school, luckily things got better, but yeah, and I started to see like the whole like mixed trend. That's so thing. funny how it switched within two, three years. Yeah. And I genuinely have never understood the trend. Mm -hmm. And it, I would never consider my, I would never go out and say, I'm light-skinned. I don't, I don't feel comfortable using that. I don't know what it is. People, when they will describe me, be like, oh, the tall, light-skinned girl. But for me, making that my username, is it a flex? Mm -hmm. um, is it liberation for feeling like for feeling all those years? Imagine everyone else that was light-skinned or looks more ambiguous. Um, are they feeling liberated now that it's like liberating themselves and being like, hey, like, I'm not, I don't fit into a, a category and I'm going to take that and roll with it. Or is it a flex on other people because they are looking more mixed? Like I don't really get what the need not the need but i personally don't feel comfortable saying that i and think for it's some cringy people, it yeah it becomes their whole identity especially know? with tiktok the whole like light skin trend with how yeah. extra people can be like i've never anyone who makes it their username i'm not trying to like throw shade or anything but i personally want to know like let us know in the comments um why why so you and know? in college you got a lot of attention for looking a certain type of way looking ambiguous and mixed right yeah and it's pro the problem is it's like not all attention is good attention yeah and i think at first i thought it was but then realizing that a lot of people there's like a stereotype of how light skins should act um, how mixed people should act. It's very hypersexualized. I feel like any non-white person, especially mm -hmm. in college as a female, is hypersexualized, whether you're Asian, Indian, black, each, each um, of these, everyone has their own, whether, for me, I think it was more sexualization of just um, the, the hair, the, you know, your skin tone, all those things. Mm -hmm. um, are they really seeing you for you? No. No, yeah. There's a lot of people who have preferences for a specific look, um, like guys who will only date light-skinned women or um, white women. And I definitely want to talk about when preferences become problematic and when they turn into fetishes. Fetishes, that word is, I'm going to be struggling with that really? word the whole podcast. Fetishes. Fetishes. So I know you've dealt with a lot of like fetishization. fetishization. Yes, I think with dating apps, it happens once in a while. I actually had a guy last weekend, you were there, he started the conversation with, you are so exotic, and kind of just went off with that as a, yeah. a nice, like, not nice, but he so thought it was, exactly, he thought it was, like, the best compliment ever. I love girls that look different, who look ambiguous, and I was like, this is a red flag. I told him straight up, yeah. please, I'm good, thank you, but please, don't ever start a conversation like that again with another girl. Mm -hmm. um, but going back to your question, I think with dating apps, it's become even worse because you're behind a screen. And so the comments that I get, which a lot of my other friends don't get, even if they're not white, um, it's insane. The type of comments on, especially comments about uh, your skin color or being like food, for example, comparing mm. you to food, it's make, comparing you to an inanimate object. Um, so I've gotten, you know, you like, chocolate queen or like mixed like some type of like oreo not yeah oreo or food, food references reference. and them trying to give me a compliment but it's literally off of food um or talking about how our kids would look um i know there's a big um like obsession with especially after the kardashians gosh, gosh, obsession with, exactly so how our kids will look that's a huge topic uh, talking point but a lot of comparison to food like, objectification yes. yeah definitely a huge red flag i cannot stand that but with um, yeah, I think for me the biggest issue is being seeing the the difference between preference and a fetish. And fetish. So like comparing a girl to like an anime character or trying to like compare her to food like you were saying like that kind of thing. I don't think there's anything wrong with having preferences, you guys. Like I think everybody has maybe an ideal image of like who they would like to be with, um, that kind of thing, what they find most attractive, and that is gonna be largely influenced by where you grew up. If you grew up in a predominantly um, 
white space, predominantly Asian space, black space, it's gonna determine maybe what your preferences are, who your first crush was. Um, if you look at like who your family is, like what your parents look like, there's literally science that shows that you're gonna be attracted to people who look like your dad if you're a woman or look like your mom if you're a guy. So yeah, that's I had a lot of influence on like what your preferences of are. Yeah. So I, we had an argument the other day Yeah. because, so I went on a date um, last year in London with a guy who, do you know what I'm talking about? Yes. Okay. So I went on a date with a guy in London. He, oh, sorry. Um, so he was Scottish, tall. I thought he was cute. Uh, the conversation was going really well. He's very funny through text. So we went on a date. Get on this date. He's Everything, white, right? yeah. Oh, yes. Okay, He's yes. Scottish. He's very, very, very pale. Um, and he proceeds to tell me how I didn't even bring the topic up of race. I didn't, you know, I think I don't get into like, what's your type on the first date. I don't get into your past experience, relationships and stuff like that. I don't want to talk about that yet. Mm -hmm. I just want to get to know you. And so he brings up how he's only dated black girls, mm -hmm. how he has grown up in predominantly black spaces in black schools where he's probably the only white person. So kind of the opposite situation of me. And he prefers black women he's all his exes have been black mm -hmm. um he's talking about his jamaican ex-girlfriend um he likes girls from the caribbean he's telling me how black um braids braids turn him on like for girls like he's like that's the most attractive thing of a girl has braids um and i just don't relate to any black i don't relate to any white women Mm -hmm. I only relate to black women. Um, I just don't get along with white women. And so for me, I left that date being like, I'm not going to see you again. And for me, Mia's, when we talked about this, I see, feel like I don't think there's anything wrong with that, his preference, because, you know, that's, that's how he grew up. That's his environment. That's mm -hmm. his personal experience. And as long as he's not fetishizing black women, um, or and as long as he knows his place, he's not walking around like, oh, I have all these black exes, black friends, so I can drop the N-word. I have a past, like I'm going to, like as long as he knows his place as a black man, he can love the culture, love black women, um, feel more comfortable with black people because that's his background. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I just felt uncomfortable because first of all, why are you telling me this on the first date? Yeah. I don't want to know about your Probably exes. Probably not the best topic not to start with. Not the best topic to start with. Yeah. I also then don't feel like you like me for me. You like me for how I look. Mm -hmm. um, and I know, again, there are preferences. You are more attracted to preferences. But as a person, hearing that, I did not feel special in that moment. And for me, I can't decipher, is it, do you like me? Or am I crossing off a box for you right now? Mm -hmm. Am I, is it, oh, I really liked her and she meets my preference? Or just... It's a black girl, so now I want to be with a black girl. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's so hard to know the difference. I feel like you have to get to know people to know what their intentions are. Like, do they want to be with you because they um, just want to, like, feel cooler for, like, being with a black woman or something like that? Like, I don't know. But Or is it because they like you as a person and you happen to be a, a person of color? Like... I think with these situations, you can never know until you know the person and know like their history and that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, very was, sticky. Yeah, it was yeah. really sticky. And it goes, I think I deal with this less. A lot of my Asian friends or um, half Asian, half white friends, they get a lot of the guys who will come in and they give it, the guys will literally tell them all, like they're such problematic men. Um, right off the bat, it's things like, things like, oh, you know, I love anime, mm -hmm. and it's you can tell it's very fetishy, or what's your favorite anime show? Like, you remind me of this character, da-da-da. Like, I have, all I wanted to do is travel Asia, and the first time these men are being introduced to black bodies, to Asian bodies, it's through porn at a young age, and so we're already hypersexualized. Yeah. And, and so when they think that, how do they think they can talk to you and treat you is literally coming from porn, porn yeah which is so scary especially when you're a young like 12 13 year old even younger um i've had friends where guys will ask them to like um be in pornos or just really aggressive sexual favors um that they probably would never ask a white girl but because it's this asian girl this black girl and in porn it's always you know in porn They've seen it happen. They think that's acceptable. Mm -hmm. That's so messed up. I don't even know how it would, would react. Um, yeah, I think Asian women especially 
go through that with like fetishization and black um, women too but it's just it's different if different you're kinds. mixed it's different if you're dark skin the kinds of questions you're getting and what, what i find a lot is um i was uh, talking to this guy and um we were getting to know each other for a while and then I met a few of his exes and I start to see a pattern. And like every single one of these girls looks like the carbon copy of myself. I thought you just said it's okay to have a preference. It's okay to have a preference. Okay, okay, well. You see, you okay, see what well, I mean? I just, I, okay, so first I was like, okay, this might be a red flag. Um, the house that the a red girls flag. were like light skin with curly hair. And I was like, okay, maybe this is the red flag. And then he started to make comments about. Um, like oh like I'm I'm pretty light skinned like um, I'm more light skinned than my sister like little comments like that where I was like are you colorist are you trying to check a box do you actually like me because of who I am or is it because you have a preference but you this is what I'm confused the conversation yeah. we just had was it's okay to have those preferences and you said maybe he's from an area where everyone looks like him or he feels like he's just more attracted to women like if you're if you're mostly attracted to black women because you love you that's what you grew up around and you love black culture and all that that's fine but if you're only dating a certain type of black woman I feel like that's so if different. the guy that I had been on a date with had said I only like I only like light-skinned women with well, braids. Again, it's not just a preference. Mm, eh, I don't think so. Because there's, I think there's a double standard because, you know, historically black, black dark-skinned women have been told, like, you're not attractive, your hair this and that. Like, you're secondary to light-skinned women. And light-skinned women are, like, idolized for having lighter skin. And that's a result of colonization. So I think it's a double standard. Um, if you only like light-skinned women i don't know something about it is like off to me you know it's like like he this guy that i was talking to loved caribbean women it's uh -huh. kind of the same thing it's a little bit different because of colonialism with um the context of um colorism mm -hmm. but again it is he only likes these specific types of women hmm. from the caribbean so we have different looks but a lot of the culture is the same and a lot of the you know it's more it's similar it's a little bit more similar than for example african culture um, I'm trying to think because you don't have um, when you have like white men who or men who fetishize Asian women it's not like oh I'm only gonna I only like but they um, do Japanese women they do they do yes you've experienced yes. my Asian friends it will be like he likes this type of Asian oh. and he wants to go to this part of Asia and he's obsessed he takes these you know he takes Korean he's learning Korean and he wants to have a Korean girlfriend it's very it can be very specific mm -hmm. some of the it's, I guess it's case by case some of them it's a little bit more broad but a lot of the times it is it is a fetish for a specific type of look. Well, let us know what you guys think because I really don't know. Is it okay to have a preference when it comes to like the the when it comes to black women? Like I only like light-skinned women. I only like See, when you say I only like dark-skinned women, I'm if a man came to me and was like, "Oh, light-skinned women are high maintenance. Like I really prefer dark-skinned women or something like that." I'm not going to be offended because historically they're historically like black dark-skinned women have been um, more oppressed. More oppressed, like and that kind of standards thing. standards and things like Beauty that. Beauty standards, yeah. like, don't work in their favor, that kind of thing. So I'm not going to be offended. But if a black man says, I only fuck with light-skinned women, dark-skinned women are not attractive to me, I think that's offensive. And you're playing into the whole idea that darker skin and darker uh, black features, like, that kind of thing is not attractive. So I'm... It's very confusing. Yeah, it's literally just talking on. yourself into a circle. It is really oh. confusing. I think the other thing I want to talk about is... With beauty standards, how kind of like you have to fit into a box. So I know for me being um, a black, more ambiguously looking black person, because we do have more, we have Indian in us, we have Italian in us, we have Nigerian in us, we have like English, uh, you know, English in us. Like it's, we're very, very... Um, Mixed, but not mixed. Exactly. Be not mixed in the sense that Americans think of mixed. Because when you say mixed in the you U.S., black people are like, and white, I'm or half Asian black, and half white. white, half Asian, half white. We are. We have blood. We have ancestors from a lot of different places. But our, both our parents are black. They're yes. not white passing. All of our family is Haitian. So for me, I just want to say that with body types, I think that's really something mm -hmm. that is confusing to me. Um, I've gotten a lot that I don't fit into because I don't have a body type. I don't have a naturally, I don't gain weight in my butt. Like it will go right to my stomach. I don't have a butt. Um, I'm very tall and slender. I have more of a, I guess you could say European like body type naturally. And so 
I never feel there's comments like you're li- my about my lips, about mm-hmm. my um, butt, about my body type that makes me feel less black mm-hmm. or makes people will you know like the comments I get I just feel less black. I know with my Asian friends that I don't know how you feel, but with my Asian friends they will feel like they have to fit into being super skinny because. Asian girls are expected to be skinny or so expected skinny. to be quiet. Those stereotypes. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you don't fit into that mold, you feel really shitty. You know what yeah. I mean? Or you if feel- you do fit into the mold, you also feel shitty. Like, naturally, I'm a very um, opinionated... I, d- I hate using the word aggressive, but um, I'm pretty, like, a go-getter type of person. And growing up, people would be like, oh, you can't be so aggressive. Like, um, it was like I was fulfilling the whole stereotype about black women being um too much loud angry aggressive like that kind of thing intimidating so i was told to like tone that down and like be more like the submissive like quiet like type of person you know what i mean so it's like either you're not enough or you're too much you know what i mean yeah no it's hard it's hard to fit exactly into that mold i think the same thing with hair for example Mm -hmm. plays a huge role i think for me i only started being comfortable with my natural hair recently and growing up no one looked like me in our school except for our parents and our haitian family friends and they would all straighten their hair Mm -hmm. and all my friends had straight hair and so i felt like i didn't fit in because of the way i looked um i always wasn't enough because of that or even with puberty like i i hit puberty first all the the two black girls in my school we hit puberty first Mm -hmm. and so we filled out quickly we had our periods quickly i had friends who were white who just like didn't get it until they were like 16 and i got it at like 11 or something like that something really young or even maybe 10 no probably 11 um and so i just always felt like i wasn't fitting like i just didn't fit in standard of what a black woman should be type of thing um I literally just lost my train of thought, but I kind of relate on the point of like not fitting into what a black woman should be. Um, And it wasn't until high school that I kind of let myself kind of like do my own thing and be like, I am black regardless of how I speak, what I dress like, how I wear my hair, like whatever it is that doesn't make me any less black than the next person. Um, Black is like a huge umbrella term. There's so many different um, types of people who embody blackness and black excellence and it's and that goes for all like any non-white person or even white people like there's it's the problem is we want to put everyone into a box yeah and the issue is we can't because there's just so many different types of people um and so that goes to say with you know not fitting into a box i feel like a lot of my friends the reason we clicked in college is because we'd be like hey you don't fit into a box wait i don't fit into a box let's make our own freaking box you know what i mean let's break this i'm not even kidding you like looking at my friends in college um i had friends who were adopted and didn't feel like they fit into their category and i totally felt that way too and i had friends who were were not adopted but had you know weren't raised with you know let's say weren't raised with their other family member or if they were like mixed race the biological if they were mixed race like one culture was missing or not missing but wasn't present for example okay yeah yeah um like if they were black and white but they were only raised around white culture like exactly so they just never and then because of that you miss out on some education miss out on feeling like really you know part of the culture Mm -hmm. and so we all just felt like we never we felt like we just didn't fit into any boxes and it sucked because you want to feel with your friends like you want to feel comfortable or in a space like, like that you can relate and they can relate exactly. to you so even though we were all from like different parts of the world and had very different experiences we still had similar experiences we were in all white spaces feeling like we did not fit into our own box that's why i loved my international high school because people were coming from all over different experiences um so you know things got better, you know, as I went along and like I figured out what, um, how like I should identify and that kind of thing. But high school was like a learning experience, a huge learning experience because, um, did I say high school? Did I say college? College. Okay. College was a huge learning experience because I came in and I am at this predominantly white school. Most students coming from my school are coming from really affluent areas, affluent families. Um, and it was really difficult to connect with people and make friends because most of the people I want to say that first year that I was like meeting 
definitely never had black friends back home in their hometown yeah mia would call me and tell me the stories of the ignorant or problematic things that people were saying and i genuinely was shocked because it's i'm thinking oh we're in the 21st century we're in baltimore we've had we're in a pretty diverse space with a lot of black people there and hearing the things they were saying Mm -hmm. i i felt like we were in the 1970s like i really did not understand how you've been you've been sheltered your whole life you might live 15 minutes away from here and you're still saying racist problematic things do you have any examples of like oh my gosh i could go on and on with examples um like i was talking to this guy and uh i showed like my friend a picture of him and this was like first year first semester and she was like oh my god mia he is so cute he's so cute for a black guy and i i was like yeah he's isn't he so cute and then i was like wait for a Girl, black wait, guy. What? <laughs> and I, I didn't even, at the time, you know, this is my first year, and I didn't even say anything to her. I didn't call her out or anything. And it was like on the daily experiences like this. I made friends with this other girl. She looks like the sweetest little thing. She looks like the um, human um, Snow White, like just innocent, like super cute little girl. And we come, become good friends a few weeks into the relationship we're talking we're in like a group talking walking and she drops the n-word and you know she's white and i everybody kind of pauses and looks at her and then they look at me like i'm supposed to do something i'm supposed to educate you now uh, yeah and i'm like okay um i was like you can't say that and she was like oh no no, no. i don't mean it like that I don't mean it in a bad way. Like, girl, I don't mean it in a bad way. She's like, everybody in my hometown says it. Like, don't worry. Like, like Where's she's she from? She's from, uh, girl, I'm not even gonna, I don't okay. want to help people. But um, I had to literally call everybody from my high school, all my black friends, and be like, what do I tell this girl? How do and I educate It's annoying this because now it's your problem yeah. to educate them. Yeah. And that's the same thing when anything problematic happens like that it becomes your job you have to figure out with with so many things in life you already have enough stress there's racism you already have i can't imagine being a black man in this country with police brutality you have so much against you and now you have to figure out how do i educate this person on what they should and should not say and why it hurts people and why you're continuing the problem yep and um i had to spend that i had to literally have so many conversations with her and then she said it it a few more times and then i have the stress of Am I a bad black person for being friends with people who are ignorant? And um, do I cut this person off because she has a good heart, she's a kind person, but she grew up in a space where there is no one to check you, there's no one educating you, so people run around, run their mouths willy-nilly saying things that they shouldn't be saying. Is that her fault? Does that make her a shitty person? And does that make me a bad black person for um, still associating with her? So. These kinds of experiences were like back to back. I would have, I, I broke down in one of my classes crying. Did some girl say um, something to you that was really problematic in class? Oh my gosh. In class, um, that first year, like second semester, we were talking about the um, how black men are perceived and um, police brutality and all of that kind of thing. And this girl raises her hand and says, well, the reality is black men are intimidating. They're scary. And if I saw someone, I would, if I saw one um, walking down the street, I would want run down the other way, the other way direction too. Wow. And she was like, black men should be making the effort to dress less intimidating, act less intimidating. And the te- the professor was saying nothing. That's I was, what upsets me. As yeah. a professor, I know it's nowhere in the manual, like teach kids how not to be honestly maybe it is in the manual for teachers but the fact that then it falls on it falls on you to become the teacher in class if they're not saying anything or it's yeah. silence yeah which is even more uncomfortable and she's not learning anything she's not learning how she's how you feel or any person of color feels in that space or black person feels mm-hmm. no one's gonna if a teacher doesn't say anything that is i cannot imagine like i not stepping in as a teacher i think you failed I yeah. you have failed your students. And it's not my job to, but I feel obligated to educate. I'm at a point now where I don't feel obligated to educate. Um, I was having lunch with a friend, and she was telling me how, like, George Floyd deserved what he got and, because he was a criminal. Wow. And it could have happened the to anyone. The things you tell me, it's crazy. Yeah, she was like, it could have happened to anyone. It was just, you know, he just happened to be black, and he was a criminal. So, like, these things happened to criminals, and... Um, just like going off and talking about how black lives matter make it seem 
like black people are more important than everybody else and i'm sitting there and i'm like why do i consistently find myself in you know spaces with people who are just from my school who are so uneducated and just so backwards minded and it's funny that they're telling you who is black yeah this you know yeah. that's where i also don't understand i'm like why yeah. Why tell it to another white person, but why are you telling this to me? Exactly, I know. And it's like my I'm black, my brothers are black, my dad is black, like I have had my own terrible interactions with police, and you think I'm gonna sit here and agree with you? Anyways, the the thing is in that moment I decided it is not my job to educate you. You're gonna have your own um, reality in your mind, your perspective based on how you grew up. Maybe you don't have any black friends, maybe, you know, however you grew up that's your experience and it's not my job to validate my experience to you because my experience isn't a debate i grew up with this you know from day one it's not a matter of um conversation or whatever so i'm not going to sit there and justify to you and i had to learn as i was got older like it's not my job to educate it takes a toll on you it takes an un you already have enough going on Mm -hmm. the last thing you need to do is educate someone who might not even listen to you exactly and the internet the internet is available the internet is available that's the other thing guys so many people are just not willing to listen not willing to learn and come at it with an open mind if you have um you know if you're willing to learn and you actually want to engage in a conversation that is two-sided open you know open-minded that is one thing the average black person is going to be more than happy to like talk to you about race relations in the u.s talk to you about their experience want to hear your experience that kind of thing but it's only if you come at it in the right environment the right context and with the right mindset yeah and if you are white or you're even black or whatever race you know whatever you are and you're realizing wait there's a lot of stuff we're talking about that you kind of wish you were more educated on or in certain spaces you don't know you might be uncomfortable about not what to say what not to say but you do this there's a lot of education that needs to happen realize that accept that there are so many different platforms that you can become more educated because again me like mia said she's not here and her friends and black people are not here to educate you guys Mm -hmm. um that's not our job and i think especially in a workplace like stuff like this happens all the time if you're in college and you if you're in college i suggest taking if you wanted to a sociology class those um an igr class that, that for my friends of um who are not black those have been very you know, helpful spaces. Mm-hmm. I think they're watching YouTube videos, going and just Googling it. And if you have a friend and asking them, is it okay if I ask you about your experience at school? Or like, is there anything that you wish, like when the Black Lives Matter protests were happening, were you reaching out to those friends? Yes. I had friends reach out to me um, who were not black and say, I'm here for you if you need to talk. I'm so sorry. Yeah. Um, I don't know how you're feeling right now. I can't imagine how you're feeling, but I'm there for you. So being an ally, being a support system and just continuing to educate yourself and realizing, wait, if I don't know this term, maybe I should. Or if I don't know if it's appropriate to say this, maybe I should learn why. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Black Lives Matter thing, like when everything was going down with George Floyd last June, um, I noticed my white friends uh, who were silent and who didn't even post. Like do, posting on social media is like the, the bare, bare minimum. minimum. It is, and if you don't even do that, do. it it is so apparent and it's so offensive. It's like I didn't know George Floyd. I you know I'm I wasn't there that kind of thing. But it still hurts. It's my community. Yeah. It's like your people. And if your friends can't even reach out and send a text and be like, hey, like, how are you holding up? Or even just post a little something on social media. It's like, you really don't care. And for them, it's optional to care. For you, it's not optional. You know, that's your everyday. That's your reality. Which is so, so sad that they didn't reach out. And I'm again, it shows you who's your real friend and who's not your real friend who actually cares about you. Yeah. And silence is probably in those situations the worst thing you can do mm-hmm. by not reaching out or by not doing anything like and we you may do not mean that. it you probably don't mean it in a bad way you're probably just like i don't follow um like what's the the racial climate i don't follow the political climate like that kind of thing but it's so privileged to think that way and say that because you you just you have the privilege to tune out it's like it doesn't affect you yeah. my friends would say mia like we don't even see you as black like we forget that you're black that, that kind of yeah. thing or you don't speak, i'm like you don't talk black or you don't speak black and 
That's pro- that's very problematic. I'm like, if you don't see me as luck, you don't see me. That's a huge part of who I am. That's not something I'm embarrassed about. That's not something that I'm trying to hide. Yeah, I think with the stereotypes, it's hard where people, people will be like, wait, but you're so well-spoken, or you sound like a white girl on the phone, or you dress a certain way so that you don't look black. And again, mm-hmm. it's those stereotypes of what, then what is black to you guys? Have you seen the TikToks where it's like, you don't look Asian, and then they're like, well, oh, let me, well, let let me just dress. change yeah. and start eating a cat. Like... It's, oh my the same, God. it's the same thing of like this boxes and stereotypes, but getting comments like that, it's so frustrating because I'm like, in this country to be treated well, um, like you said another podcast about the bank, going to a bank and being treated well versus when you wear sweatpants versus when you wear a suit. Mm-hmm, yeah. It's the same thing. Like you want to be treated the best um, you can be treated in society. So obviously our parents being immigrants, uh, or you know, dad being an immigrant, grandparents being immigrants, they want to be treated well. And so that, that's why we're being told when we're with them, you have to look a certain way. You can't mm-hmm. look like you can't look like you're not put together because people are going to treat you poorly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. You're going to, there's a t- serious double standard. Like black women are held to an expectation that is so ridiculously high. Um, yeah, I think we could go on and on, but especially if you're coming into college, I would say my advice would be it is not going to be easy if you're coming to a predominantly white school. If you're coming from a school where most students look like you or share the same culture and then you're coming to a predominantly white school, it is going to be a very tough transition. You're going to feel extremely invisible in a and lot of ways. And hyper-visible. You know how you're watching a movie and there's like the background characters and then there's the main characters, right? Coming to university, PWI, I felt like everybody saw me as like a background character in a blur. Like I didn't have a personality. I didn't have things to say, like that kind of thing. I was just like a prop in the back. And then white students were like the main characters. And that was the first time in my life that I really felt like that. Um, And so I felt really invisible in that way. But then I also felt extremely visible because in my classes, I would be like the only person of color. If we talked about anything race related, um, the professor would, I had a professor literally be like, we had a chat about racism and that kind of thing. At the end of the class, he was like, Mia, I really expected you to jump in and say something there. Why? Because I'm black? Why? Because I'm black? Literally. Um, And I told him like, listen, you didn't bring it up in the right context. You didn't preface it with anything. This was not a safe space for me to speak up, which is why I didn't. But you're going to feel extremely visible, extremely invisible. You're going to go through um, really, you know, tough experiences that maybe shape the way that you see, um, you know, white people, your white peers. I really resented a lot of my white peers for like some of the shit they would say. Like I told a girl, like, you know, I only wash my hair like once a week. Like I have curly hair. It's going to dry it out if I wash it more than once a week. She was like, she's like, Mia, that's nasty. Like you're nasty. And I was like deeply offended. I had to sit there and be like, Mia, this girl was raised in Connecticut. She does not have any black friends. She does not know what she's saying. And it does not make these people bad people. It's just for being uneducated. It's just, they're just... You they're know. in their own world, doing their own thing. Yeah. But yeah, my advice to you guys, if you're going to be going to an all-white space, if you have been in an all-white space and you're returning back to school, um, I pray for you. I'm kidding. <laughs> I pray for you. Um, I think my advice to you would be find safe spaces on campus where people care about you and you can express yourself because it's so good to be able to rant with someone who understands to share an experience and get and people get it you know what I mean Mm -hmm. like people understand they might not be the same race as you but they might totally understand feeling invisible so look for those spaces clubs friends mentor programs like um diversity programs where you can be in a similar space to people to add to that my school has an orientation for students of color that I knew and transfer students um I wish I did that program you guys because those students get so close and um, you come onto campus and you already know like a handful of POCs who you can relate to, go to, um, to share like your experiences and vent with and they can relate to you. So if your school has a program like that, oh my gosh, please do it. I wish I did it at my yeah, school. Because in high school, that wasn't an issue for me. In high school, I had a lot of international friends kind of like you. And so I didn't feel the need to have a space with being with people of color, mm-hmm. but in college, I, I don't know what changed. I needed that space because before it was international people kind of everyone understood you're you know you're from different backgrounds. But now being in a predominantly white space, everyone has every most kids have a certain income level. All their parents are making. Mm-hmm. It's a very affluent school. 
And so not to being part of that affluent group, not being that skin color, not being an international, like African international student. There are so many things like I'm black, but I didn't fit in with these, you know, international, international kids or with these experiences. So just through those clubs, you will find other like-minded people who will support you. And, and faculty, find faculty who can support that you, you like. Also. Yeah, that's yeah. a really um, big thing. And also college is a bubble and it will be better. If you, mm. get, if you live in a big school in a big city, I'm so envious. That yes. probably helps with your mental health and how you view yourself. I know for me, my self-confidence in college plummeted specifically because mm-hmm. I felt so invisible and I felt like I was doing something wrong or um, I just, yeah, the whole time felt very, very invisible. But... Um, going into the real world after graduating, it has been such a good thing for my self-confidence yes. and realizing, wait, I'm not ugly. I'm just was in it all oh my, my space. gosh, that TikTok can, that's like, was I ugly or did, were we ugly or did we just go to a predominantly white school? And that is so real. That's how exactly I felt. So I think the many, my friends too, if you guys are feeling that way right now and you're in college, I'm telling you all my friends who have graduated and are living in the real world, all of them have chose to be in pretty big cities. They feel they'll call me and be like, I I never thought I'd go out and I would get complimented the way I do, mm-hmm. or people think I'm so beautiful or really appreciate my culture. Like they feel so happy right now because mm-hmm. they're not in a bubble. They are not in college anymore. They've graduated. So if, if it, even if it feels like, if I guess I could, if I could talk to myself from before, even if it feels like this is your rea- reality and you're in a bubble, once you get to the real world, the real world is so much better. So oh, I'm so happy that we're getting to talk about this, and especially girls of color. Um, I wish I like heard something like this when I was starting university. Um, my tip would be, if I was going back to talk to myself, remember that you are the um, you are like the template for like the standard um look at the kardashians like all they want is to embody like the black women like they put you know cheek um fillers in and like they get lip injections and they want to have a big butt to be like the stereotypical like um curvy black women like we are the template you know so just remember that um these girls are like fake tanning um or my, even with, you know, for example, Asian women with the fox eye trend. With the fox eye. Um, Indian yeah. women with their long, beautiful hair. Yeah. You know what I mean? Middle Eastern women with their eyes and like... The, yes, the, these the, women the, want to be you. Um, unfortunately, it's popularized. These trends are popularized when it's on a white woman, which is so problematic. But you are the, you know, you are the template, I will say. I know um, my um, guy friends will date girls who... Like, I'll, you know, girls will, like, tan to the point where they're, like, literally so dark. Like, I, I would think they're me. black. I'm like, is she black or is she just, like, hella tan? So these girls want to be, they want to look like you. You are beautiful. And if you ever need someone to talk to you, because it is going to be freaking hard, hard out there, please reach out because we love to talk. We love girl talk. And we're wishing you guys all the best um, if you're in, you know, really white spaces where you're not feeling like you're seen or heard. We love you guys and we're here for you. And we feel for you. We yeah. really feel for you. We've been there. So that's the end of the podcast. I hope you guys enjoyed. I feel really good about this podcast. Yeah. Um, I hope the advice was helpful. And yeah, I just, I want you guys to feel my love. Like it's going to be okay. Especially because yeah. I remember those really hard times when I come home crying mm-hmm. after going out and just being like, I hate it here. Like I really don't, you know, feel good yeah. here. So it yeah, gets better. We're yeah, sending the love, sharing yeah. the love. And Thank you guys so much for listening to our podcast. It's everything IRL. It's been real. Yeah. Wait, um, we have one more episode after this. Yes. Yeah. This is five. So we have six. If you're watching on YouTube, subscribe to Lauren's YouTube channel. Like the video. If you're listening on Spotify, make sure to rate it. Or Apple Podcasts, make sure to rate it. Um, And we will see you in the next podcast. Bye, Bye, guys. guys.